everybody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to QSJ Radio, home to the unsigned artists. We have a legend in the building with us today, so it's going to be kind of cool to talk to uh, Mr. Steve Camp, Pastor Camp, for those who know him on a more uh, Christian level. Uh, but they should know him as a Christian level. Contempor- uh, contemporary Christian music, right? Uh, icon, they're calling you. And <laughs> out of Nashville, Tennessee, I, I can, that's a little country Christian right there for me, because I'm a, I'm <laughs> I'm over here in the East Coast. Um, but now we're talking about in right before Thanksgiving, you release Emmanuel. And and it's been doing really, really good, about five weeks now. Uh, and for, for those who don't know, Steve, uh, let me just tell you, uh, over 15 number one hits and uh, a bunch of songs that, um, for those who know of, of, of Christian music. Um, and he's here with us, and we're, we're, we're going to talk about his single, but I do want to know something. Yeah. Steve, how are you still doing this stuff? <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's a great question. Uh, when we started this project, uh, the entire album we started several years ago, but uh, the Christmas song, we just recorded it in August and got it out quick. And so we're thrilled of any response. And and if, before I go any farther, thank you so much for having me on your program. And, uh, but yeah, I, I asked my producer, uh, you know, at the time we were starting this, uh, seven and a half years ago or so, I said, man, I, you know, I'm in my sixties. Can I, uh, can I do a record? And he goes, all the stones are in their early eighties. You're fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. And so he said, no, man, I, I said, well, I'll never retire till God retires me. Wow. And uh, pastoring is is strenuous enough, but but this is a privilege to make music again. And the co leaders at our church have given me you know permission to to do it. They've said, hey, if if some guys can write books and put out study Bibles and things, you certainly can put out a record. Wow! And do concerts and minister that way as well. So, you know, it's been exciting, but, um, yeah, you know what? I never, I, I, a lot of my friends, I'll look on Facebook and I'll see pictures of groups of my friends that, you know, we spent the last 40 years making music and they're all retiring. Oh. And I said, man, what are you doing? This just <laughs> the prime of life now. And so I, I tell you, I just counted a joy by God's grace to, to be doing this again uh and uh just a just a privilege so yeah thank you for the question i'm glad you you got that out of the way first like i you know because sometimes it's like you know people have certain goals what they do and with music there's so many goals but like a lot of musicians that we've seen this year uh some some of their classics are 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 the times are are of the times and um uh, but w- one of my other questions is, uh, can you hear me there? I can. Okay. One of my, one of my other questions, you've been doing this not only, um, what, with, with the, the, the almighty weapon in, in your hand, as you stated earlier, um, 
there's time has changed so much and i hear and i heard you and i heard you in there and and i wanted to get to it later but i i got a feeling we could we could do this now is how is pastoring like for you these days cuz i feel like i feel like i feel like the church was kind of the first to um take advantage of the internet to 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 send a message to 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 those who who couldn't be there and um but it, it, now you, you've also been in the time where music was also something that was um recorded somewhere and manufactured and 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 it was like on a, on a on a cassette a disc a track whatever and now it's a whole digital age which is wonderful for a lot of people but that's also a lot of transitioning um uh for 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 anybody you know it's like oh we got to we got to do this again we got to learn this again we got to we got to do it all over again like but also with with your main mission you're you're seeing um the world and especially i know in our country cuz there there you've done songs where you know it's country first sometimes and um how how has this been for you because that that is a lot to like all right do i stop for a few years here and just pick it up where i left off how do you do this well it's a great it's a great thing first of all i appreciate your taxonomy of the manner and mode of what music has been done i've had lps i've had eight tracks no question I've had cassette tapes, way too many to boast of. I've had CDs and now MP3s and Wave 4. And soon the industry within the next few years will probably convert to a thing they call Atmos, uh, which has been around in the theaters since 2015. But there's the transition to music hasn't been that, that common. The industry itself, just as a genre, uh, we'll get to Christian in a minute, but just as a, a genre, it's a great question you ask. Uh, it's changed in three ways. It's changed on where people go to buy the music, how the music is given to them, and then the quality of the music. So in other words, there's no longer a Tower Records uh, that you can go and buy your favorite CDs, your favorite LPs. And by the way, the LPs are slowly making a comeback slowly and they, they <laughs> just sound better. You know, <laughs> they really do. The grooves are easier. It's analog. The bass is great. The drums are fantastic. There are certain things in the digital age that sound good still like strings and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, we used to record on two inch tape and sync up the two inch with digital and then, you know, put the two inch away, which we recorded 10 tracks on drums and a track for bass and whatever else. And then we bring them out to mix with. Uh, so the sound has actually changed, but the LPs sound better. If you've got a good turntable, a good needle, buy some LPs. You'll be amazed because what's happened is CDs were kind of a bridge that way, but it crunches the sound mp3s that we've all got accustomed to listening on our phones on headphones as we're walking a bridge as we're working out as we're at a park you know just having fun with our families playing them through speakers 
it crunches the sound yeah. so severely that we've gotten used to this almost semi-distorted, really highly compressed mm -hmm. sound. That's where people are, are today. So the sound of the music has changed. Where we buy it has converted to the record comp from the record stores now to everything being available online, and that's cool. I mean, Pete, what's great about that, the flexibility, people can download an entire album. They can download three or four songs that they've listened to and they're the hits, quote unquote, on the record, uh, even songs that you think might get more airplay, uh, people are just like, man, I'm into the artist. I'm going to go for some of the more unfamiliar songs yeah. that maybe speak. And, yeah. and I do that. You know, I'm I'm just as guilty of that, uh, and so forth. So it's changed in those kinds of ways. The the third element that's changed is the financial component. What is it? A dollar? A dollar twenty nine? Something? iTunes? Still. Spotify doesn't really pay anything unless you're being licensed in movies or, you know, films uh -huh. or TV production. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of music that's given away. We shouldn't be afraid of that. That's okay too. Um, but let's be honest, man. You, you know, we are, I, I saw a little video of James Taylor. Okay. The other night. And he was saying Vincent Van Gogh uh, only sold two uh, of his paintings or sculptures. Or maybe it was Da Vinci. Was it Da Vinci? Van Gogh. Okay, I was asking my wife here. Uh, only two <laughs> during his lifetime. In fact, he was a pauper, actually. And the great wealth that he came never came in his lifetime. And James was right to say, you know what? This is, this is how it is. He encouraged people, whether you're getting paid a lot of money or not. And he says, I know I'm a bit hypocritical on this because here I am in Europe touring for the sake of, you know, paying a lot of bills and making a good wage. But he said, we do this even if we got paid or not. And I really resonate with that. We would find a way. The cool thing is with Pro Tools, with Logic, all these things. Look at Jacob Collier, his, his great fame over these last 10, 11 years. But he's working out of that same one bedroom in, in his parents' house where his mom's, where he grew up from age one on. And he shows up, he's got funny hats on, and he's even showing where he has Kleenex all over the room because he has gold. <laughs> yeah. And he and he's singing and he's carrying on, and it's like the right lighting, everything's a little bit out of phase. No, just make it, just do it. And it it's not homogenized like it has been in past years where everything has to be so perfect. Man, we're real people. These are real songs, especially as a songwriter. So when that comes to Christian music and it comes to that link between the arts, the culture, and the local church, uh, we have to, you know, I put up a little post today on Facebook and uh, I simply was asking a question, what do you think are the elements that are the essentials for any local church? Uh -huh. I mean, whether you're in Virginia or Florida, yeah. uh, whether you're in Nashville or whether you're in Moscow you know, or in Israel. The good thing about biblical truth, it's good for every culture in every phase of every life. So we have to ask ourselves, what does the church look like biblically? And I said to people, ask me questions. Tell me the answer to that question from your word. Don't respond emotionally. Respond biblically. Drive it to the text of Scripture. What does the word say that a local church should look like? Well, if this is the book for all matters of life and godliness, 
then we have to come to saying, all right, how do we define life by those principles? And then secondly, with the arts, if scripture speaks to all of life, the music can speak to all of life. Mm. So we can write great love songs. We can write songs about culture, about what's going on in the streets and all around the world these days with woke CRT, virtue signaling, identity politics, intersectionality. I mean, just go right on down the line and speak to it from a biblical worldview. That may not mean we're quoting chapter and verse every time. Mm. When it comes to Sunday, Here's the thing. I pastor a smaller church, a Reformed Baptist church, but we do prayer, fellowship, communion every week, the preaching of the word. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all kinds. And when necessary, we practice church restoration, the grace of restoring restoring those who have fallen into sin, who are unrepentant. Well, those are the elements, according to God's word, along with biblical elders, biblical deacons, uh, you know, in in the teaching of the word and the dissemination of these things. So, you know, we, as I was telling a guy the other day, we could have a hurricane come and wipe out our beautiful church sanctuary, but we could put up a tent the next day and not lose a trick, Mm. not lose an ounce of sleep with it. Why? We're not dependent on fog machines. We are not dependent on worship being entertainment or a light show or whatever it may be. Worship is not entertainment. It's reverence to the transcendent one triune God. And so therefore, put us in a, in a, uh, in a hotel lobby. Put us at a junior high school. Put us outside in a tent or a barn or in a field like they meet in the underground church in China. And we're happy to do church because what we do is not based on circumstances, but based on relationship. So all of those elements, I think, have to tie in to our individual life as Christians. And look at you, man, we're, we're miles apart here. I'm in South Florida, you're in Virginia, and we're connected <laughs> like we're right next door. But the weather is different. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, man, I tell you, come, come to Florida, buddy. It's We take... My wife's from Michigan. I'm from Chicago. Oh my! So you know, oh, so you guys we like sand over snow. I I, I could tell. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. So those. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question fully. It does. But, it does because what it what it what it means to me is regardless of what is going on, uh, take it for uh, what it is, and um and move forward. And also to know that regardless of what it is that is going on, um, that you must push your message, whether it is through music or the word. And and that's amazing. You know, I always want to know, how much patience must you have to be a pastor? Because... I don't got the patience when the kids don't do the dishes. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I gotta, I gotta know. It was only patience we were facing. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know what? I tell you what, here's, here's the deal. Two passages for you um, out of one, and they're both out of second Timothy. Second Timothy was Paul's last will and Testament. He wrote it out of a Mamertine prison in Rome. You can go and see that prison to this day. They would capture him. As you know, Nero blamed the burning of Rome on Paul. 
And Paul's in this Mamertine prison. They would put him in stocks and bonds, uh, bonds for his hands up against the prison walls. Stocks, they would fasten his legs to, pardon me, to carved out pieces of wood, small at the ankle, wide at the hip, one on top of each other. And then they would be fastened with a steel eyelet and they would put chains through those or heavy rope and they would fasten them to a large wheel and the soldiers could climb down the size of what it amounted to be as a large manhole cover. And it was reserved for the worst of criminals. They were sitting up to their waist in human excrement. They would turn this giant wheel and it would gradually spread eagle the legs of whosoever legs were trapped in those stocks, in those bonds, it would separate those legs until the flesh would begin to rip. I'm sorry to be so graphic. It's that's a, it's all that's good. what was happening to the Apostle Paul. Wow. And so when he was saying, Timothy, come before winter, bring the parchments, bring the books, he was writing to his true son of the faith, his, this young man being bombarded by the culture, getting blown out of the saddle by all kinds of professional leadership. And he says, hold fast the faith, you know, do the work, fight the good fight and endure until the end, run the course, finish the race that's before you. And, and here's Paul at the last will and testament of his life. I mean, think about this, brother. When he went before the court, in front of Nero's court, he says in 2 Timothy 4, he says, at first, no one came to my defense. Hmm. People could come, witnesses could come and say, no, he's not guilty of that. Think of that. He planted more churches, was the greatest missionary the church ever knew, arguably the greatest pastor the church ever knew. Uh, he, be, he was the greatest persecutor. The Lord made it into a great pastor. And here, no one came to his defense, and he was broken. He was discouraged. He said, but I did not count this against them because the Lord stood with me. Mm. So here's the deal. Here's the thing for you and I. Will we walk and be faithful to the Lord and in whatever our calling is, but in ministry and under and involved in the context of a local church, whether anybody follows you or not? This is why Paul told Timothy in in, uh, 2 Timothy 4, preach the word in season and out of season, when it's convenient, when it's not, when it's popular, when it's not. You stay faithful. Jesus said it this way, put your hand to the plow and never look back. When when those 20,000 that showed up for the feeding of the 5,000, and the next morning they came back and uh, they were wanting another meal. And the Lord can, can, you know, confronted them with this. They wanted to make him a king to overthrow the Sanhedrin and the Roman government. And he said, you really want to be my disciple? You want a food that's going to last forever? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. In other words, partake of the crucified life. When he said that, they all left. Think about that. In less than 24 hours, 20,000 came, 20,000 left. He turns to the apostles and he said, are you going to go too? And Peter said, Lord, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. In season, out of season, will you walk with Jesus? The Jesus we can't ignore. The Jesus that said, deny yourself. That's hard for me. 
take up your cross. That's even harder. And follow me. That's hardest yet. But that takes a work of grace. So that's where we are in the Church of America today. And, uh, and man, we, we can't show up at church 11 o'clock sharp and leave 12 o'clock dull. Man, we've got to be more real than this. And I tell you, my one burden for pastors in America is they haven't taught their congregations how to suffer biblically for the gospel. Uh. They may even think it's something odd that's happening to them if the Lord broke up their church or put some in jail or denied them access to a Bible or said in the streets, you cannot witness in the name of Christ, similar to what the apostles went through. Is the church in America ready for that? Or are we going to lull ourselves to sleep? So, man, I I appreciate your questions. Uh, Thanks for letting me share my heart on this because it's a real issue facing us all today. If you guys are just tuning in, we have Steve Camp, uh, legendary CCM, and also a pastor, and has been doing that for a while. And um, we are also talking to him about a new single he has out, Emmanuel. Um, it's it, It's been released. You guys can go uh, check it out on all streaming platforms. Yes, the pastor has all streaming platforms. Go, <laughs> you got to understand what I'm saying. He's about this life right here. <laughs> so, uh, Emmanuel, we'll we'll get into the season. I, I'm and I'm loving this, and and I'm not gonna lie. I I've been needing this. I've been needing the the, the conversations. Um, a lot of my thoughts have been, um, kind of like. And, you know, some people say they're, they're eating you alive, right? Um, I, I, I'm comparing myself to, to others. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know where I'm going. So I'm listening and I'm like, oh, you know, like this, this is, this is, you know, this is a little joke I got, but I don't think it's a joke. But sometimes I'm saying I need more Jesus in my life. All right. And, um, so I'm hearing this and, and, and even though some, some many people would, uh, answer questions so simply, where the faith, la- uh, is, is where the inspiration comes from. So, it, and, and I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, okay, so I have a loss of, faith somewhere because why am i leading my thoughts go elsewhere when so many depend on me um and i can't you, you know like and so i'm i'm listening i'm going i'm anyways <laughs> no, no i listen man you're being uh very unusually transparent for a radio <laughs> podcast like this so. I got to tell you, I appreciate it. Uh, you're you're talking real. I want to encourage you for a moment. First Peter 2 says this in verses 1 and 2. Uh, my brothers, uh, show no, uh, no partiality as you hold the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we're told in James 2, pardon me, we're not to show preference. We're not to show partiality in how we deal with others within the church. We all stand on level ground together. None of us have arrived at this. So we want to treat each other with a, with a commonality 
of the same weights and measures. Um, and in and in First Peter two, though James two, then First Peter two, I think gives us the fundamental issue on how we know how we're doing in the Lord and how we're pressing on. It's First Peter two two. Listen to this. He says, like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Huh. Here's what it means. It literally means in the Greek, crave the word. Crave the word as a newborn baby craves milk. Epithumia is the Greek word. It's used in the Old Testament Septuagint in the Greek, uh, you know, to show um, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for thee. It's a longing of, of a delight in, and a love of the truth of, of the Lord, who he is in his word. So when someone comes to me as a pastor brother and says, Steve, I'm not doing well. I'm struggling in my life with the Lord. We all go through that. Um, I am having trouble staying focused. My hand isn't to the plow. What's happened? I know instantly something that hasn't been taken place, and it always proves 100% true. I said, are you craving the word? Do you have a longing for, a love of, and a delight in the scriptures? Not just intellectually, not just academically, but as Job said, I count them more valuable than my daily food. Jeremiah says, I eat them and they became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Remember, David said, your word is more valuable to me than gold and much fine gold, honey and the honeycomb. Greater than the world's riches and the world's delicacies, I treasure God's word above all. So the way back, the way to keep the flame ignited, the way to have undying passion in a single heart and a dedicated mind to the things of the Lord every day. You got to get up, crave the word. That's that's where we begin. And you're right. As men, we we need to be made responsible to the duties that we have to those around us counting on us. And it's not wrong to let them see us broken, tearful, weary, uh, trusting the Lord, counting on him for all things. We're not robots, so we don't come out of this without struggle without some rust in those key joints of our lives. We we are all there. But what we need to do is be on our knees with our wives, with our children, um, you know, before the Lord. And listen, whether that's in the morning, the wee hours in the night, get up an hour earlier, go to bed an hour later. Um, I have on Facebook, if my Facebook page Something I've been putting on, and, and I'll tell you, I'll send you a copy of this if you like. Please, please. Do. It's how to read through the Bible in 60 days. Now, there's nothing magical about 60, but it's six times a year. I read through the entire Bible, and I do it each time in a different translation. So I might pick the King James, then I might pick ESV, then I might pick NASB or NIV or CSB or NLT or the NET, you know, New King James, whatever it may be, and you get a different view of the soup can in a very helpful way by the translators that they've done the good work on. But it's only about an hour a day. And most people that started, they're going, you know what, all of a sudden I was in it for an hour and a half and I couldn't believe it. I wrote, I, I read further what I thought. It became the delight of my heart. 
The cool thing is, here's what it means in that First Peter 2, 2 verse, brother. It says, as you crave the word as newborn babes who desire the sincere milk of their mother. You know, contrary to the identity culture, men cannot give birth to babies. Men cannot breastfeed babies. That is the work of the mother. And he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, the unadulterated milk of its mother, you crave the word. So here's what it says. As you crave the word, it will grow you. That's the amazing thing. Just like the milk of the mother or supplement milk will grow the baby. There's, you don't have to pray about that. It's just the natural process. The more milk they take, they grow in every area of their, of their lives physically, and we see them grow up quickly. It's the same thing. As we crave the word, it will grow us. So if you feel like you've stopped, and I don't mean you, you brother, but just yeah. anyone listening, if you've yeah. stopped in your growth with the Lord, if you've stopped in what it means to be more like Jesus every day, uh, I know the fundamental issue, crave the word. It will grow you. And as you do this, ask the Lord through his spirit, conform me to Christ. Even in my trials, help me to welcome them as joy. You know, whether it's through the depth of the Grand Canyon or the heights of Mount Everest, man, let's keep on faithful to the Lord. But it begins before obedience, before anything else, crave the word. Then you hide it in the heart. Then you won't sin against him. How can a young man keep his way pure? Take heed to the word. That's where we are. And then the fellowship of the saints and a local church and, you know, the fellowship with other brothers like yourself, man, it's so valuable, so important. And it's usually one of these basics where the wheels fall off. Anyway, I hope that resonates in some way. It does. It does. It does, Pastor. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, when I wake up in the morning, I'm craving chicken nuggets. So I got to... <laughs> Stop craving the chicken nuggets and crave the- <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> Big shout out to everybody listening to and tuning in to QSJ Radio. I'm here with uh, Steve Camp. Um, we're going to get into his new single. Uh, but before we get into that, why did you need the break from the Christian music industry? Wow. Great question. Great question. Um, and I like how you how you stated it. Uh, you know what i I had had my time in the industry since 1975, 77, right through 94, with 22 releases. Uh, and up through that time, I've always gravitated towards pastors. And I'm sorry, I have to apologize to you and your audience. Um, I've been a little physically under the weather the last day or two, this cold flu thing that's going around. I caught it and I feel like my, I'm decapitated from my neck up. It's just, my head is pounding. Oh, feel better soon, pastor. Feel better. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, but I just wanted, if, if I, uh, if I'm uh, seeming a little, uh, you know, coughing or whatever it may be. That's that's you're doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> you're doing okay. Yeah, right. you're doing great. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's I've always loved the traveling. I love meeting people. I love talking with people. People will say I've never met a stranger, and it's really true. Uh, but I worked with a lot of churches. I grew up in the church in Wheaton Bible Church. You know, I 
I was one of those church kids at age five. I said the words at age 17, I came to know Christ by his sovereign grace. Um, you know, so I've had a burden for other church people for a long time. And the, the folks that have influenced my life have not only been great singer songwriters. Uh, I mean, everything from a, a Paul McCartney uh, to a Phil Collins, a James Taylor, a Joni Mitchell, uh, a Carol King, a Jackson Brown, the great lyricists in pop music, a Billy Joel, a Springsteen. And then also in Christian music, Larry Norman uh, taught me really the craft of writing and uh, songwriting. And Keith Green was a dear friend in those early years. And, uh, you know, so many great artists, Phil Kage, second chapter of Vax. I mean, just too many to even call their remembrance here, but such great people. And, uh, and so, you know what, I, I loved doing that. And at the same time, as I really enjoyed the traveling, you reach a place in your heart, not so much that I needed a break from the industry, but rather than speaking to a, a different audience every evening, there's merit in that. I wanted to be planted in a local church. I've, I've always been a part of a local church. I don't know anything but that life. But I wanted as a pastor to serve and to shepherd and to care for those, the same people I would see week after week after week. And that was the biggest change. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding thing I've ever done. But out of that has come a lot of new songs and the life that I hear people share with me and the experiences that we go through the people that we've looked into their graves together, the weddings that we've been able to do, the people that have abandoned the Lord and we tried to bring the grace of church restoration for their lives. And they basically tell you and everyone else in their life to hop in it. And, you know, you, you, you're on the mountaintops, you're in the valleys, and then you're in the septic tanks with people. And it's, it's real stuff. It's rewarding. It's difficult some days. I certainly haven't arrived. I'm on the phone with so many pastors throughout the week. What are you preaching on this week? How are you doing in your shepherding? They ask me the same questions. Hey, I was praying for you. What's what's going on in your world? During COVID, we had about a dozen guys that would meet every week online to talk about the struggles. And we caught on early how the whole nation was being played. We never shut our doors one day. But at the same time, we wanted to be respectful for those that wore masks, created social distancing, but they were happy to come to our church, even though many, many stayed away, and we're still rebuilding as a result of that. But regardless of all that, I just felt like I needed time within a group of people that we could really pour our lives into, and they could pour their lives into myself, my wife, Cynthia. And so... It wasn't so much that I had had it up to here with the industry, but it was that I was looking forward to a different emphasis on it. Uh-huh. I've been writing songs all this time. And then literally it was, I said seven and a half years ago, it was eight years ago. I called my <laughs> friend Tim Miner on the phone, so gifted and said, Hey, would you like to do? And before I could get the words out, he goes, whatever it is. Yes. Wow. Let's do it, man. He goes, I've been wanting to work with you for 30 years. I had no idea. I'd been always one of those friends. They even say a thing. (laughs) Exactly. And and the thing was, I was just as guilty. I'd been wanting to work with him for all that time. So I flew out to LA. We, We started a few songs. And then 
you know, the Lord put it on my heart to write a different direction. I was going to write a few praise songs, but then all these songs about the culture, all lives matter, uh, rage, you know, CRT, all the, all the stuff that we're seeing go on, the riots in the streets, the blood on the hands, the abject manufactured racism that naturally does not exist in this country, but it was funded by leftist groups. We don't have to go there tonight, but, but that's <laughs> something that I thought, you know, uh, how do I address this as an artist, as a songwriter? And then on some of these songs, I've had more people tell me, Steve, it's a double album. It's 26 songs. It should be out in a few months. And they said, if you were signed to a label right now, you couldn't say 90% of these things. Wow. And then I was thinking, why am I saying these things? How come Stevie Wonder didn't say it? And I'm not comparing myself to him. He's just a giant in the industry. Why didn't Bob Dylan write this? Why didn't Springsteen or Elton or, you know, McCartney write these songs who own the industry and could say, we don't care what they say. We're going to do the right thing. That's between them and whoever they pray to. But the bottom line is I thought the Lord blessed me with some of these songs to deal with these issues. And uh, so I hope people are encouraged by it. Now, that marriage of local church, commitment to body of Christ in the word every day throughout the week, and then from a biblical worldview, being able to write songs that speak to these various issues. I was just so grateful to the Lord that Emmanuel was the first song to come out. It's joyful. It's upbeat. It's positive. We had some great people involved in it. And I was so gracious and still am grateful to the Lord for the positive reaction people have done. But you know what the name means, Emmanuel, God with us. We couldn't come to him. He came to us. What a great message in the time of Hamas and the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians and attacking Israel. What a great time from the new riotings of Antifa and even Antifada in some of the more recycling of BLM Inc. and all these things. What a time to sing. Hey, God is with us. We can get through more than get through this. We can see lives transformed and our nation turned back for the things of the Lord. So I was so honored that, you know, guys like you and others would say, let's, let's uh, help me. I don't have a record company. So brother, you're, <laughs> you're part of the record company. Now. <laughs> You know, well, chicken McNuggets and all. We'll take chicken it. McNuggets. Let's go. <laughs> we got Steve Camp. Steve Camp Emmanuel. We'll play it right now. We'll we'll let him go get his swig of water, and uh, we'll come back after this. This is Steve Camp Emmanuel. Uh, singles out on all platforms. Trust me, I'm not lying. <laughs>